Welcome to the Bayshore Podcast. As listeners each week, whether through iTunes or through the church app, you're part of our church family. We would love for you to share stories of how Bayshore is impacting your life by sending us an email at amen at bayshorecc.org. As always, you can find all kinds of information and content on our website, bayshorecc.org. There's also our church app, which you could download by going to bayshorecc.org slash app. So thanks again for joining us this week, and we hope that today's message is a blessing to you. Well, welcome everybody. We are uh, still studying the book of Acts, looking at these great themes in the book of Acts. And uh, I want to welcome everybody that's going to be listening to this podcast. Thank you for listening. We have podcast listeners everywhere, and uh, we're so thankful for that. Uh, We're thankful for all of our podcast listeners in different states and even different countries, so we're grateful for that. Um, And also our Facebook Live community. We have Facebook Live that's listening every week. And listen, last week we have Facebook Live listener Jean Ann Hastings. We want to say... um, Welcome to Jean Ann Hastings, that's a Facebook Live listener. And Jean Ann Hastings was listening last week on a Carnival Pride cruise ship uh, last week. She was, she, on a, she was on a cruise last week when she listened to the sermon. So uh, anyhow, we'd like to say we wish we were on the cruise. But anyhow, thank you for listening, Jean Ann. So we're in uh, chapter 8, and, and I said last week, uh, there's four main characters in, the, in chapter 8, and we just slowed down a little bit. We could have easily breezed through chapter 8, but we talked last week about Saul and his anger, how, uh, what made Saul angry, and we talked about anger issues last week. And this week, we're going to look at a second character in chapter 8, and his name is Philip. Uh, Philip was a, uh, one of the original seven that was chosen to serve the widows, like Stephen, the first martyr. Uh, the second person in that list is Philip. And so Philip is an uh, important character because Stephen and Philip also, both of those men uh, evolved from simply serving tables and they became preachers and preached the gospel and all that. So Philip, uh, last week we, uh, we, we looked at how uh, Saul was an angry man and Philip is the antithesis of that. Philip is a compassionate and accepting man. Uh, he was a compassionate and accepting man. And I want to read a little bit about Philip uh, to kind of get you uh, introduced here to him. Acts 8, chapter, uh, after chapter 8, of course, uh, verses 4 through 8, and then uh, I'm going to read verses 14 through 17 of the same chapter. Now, those who were scattered about went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria. Actually, Samaria is north, so it seems odd that he would go down uh, if it was going north. That would seem he was going south. Whenever you leave Jerusalem, you go down because Jerusalem's elevated. So whenever you read in the Bible and it says they went down from Jerusalem, it doesn't matter what direction they go, they went down because Jerusalem was high elevation. So it says they went, uh, Philip, went down from, uh, from this, uh, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said to Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits came out of many who were possessed, crying with a loud voice, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in the city. Cool, cool phrase there. There's much joy in the city. And then verse 14. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who had come down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. 
for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and, received the, and they received the Holy Spirit. And verse 25 says, Now when they had testified, speaking of Peter and John, and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. So, first problem today is, uh, where is Samaria? You know, sometimes, uh, you know, we, we kind of miss looking at geography a little bit. It's important to us to look at geography. Uh, so, I'm going to start out just real simple geography. Here's a picture of uh, the area of, uh, uh, of, of, of Jerusalem and all that. You've got Judea. That's where, here's the Dead Sea. And I think there's like 60 miles from the Dead Sea to the Sea of Galilee. So Judea is where Jerusalem is, Jericho, and all the things you read about. The next uh, area up is called Samaria and then Galilee, where Jesus spent most of his, his ministry up in Galilee. This is where Jesus was. His, his Capernaum would have been right about there at the top of the Sea of Galilee. So Jesus spent most of his time up here when he was ministering. And then he come, come, could come to Judea occasionally, three or four times uh, during his lifetime. But Samaria is in the middle. So here's what Samaria is. Samaria is... How many are from Delaware? You're Delaware people. You're Delaware. How many people live in Maryland? Raise your hand if you're Maryland. We got uh, Maryland and Delaware here. So if you're a Delaware person, uh, Judea is Sussex County. Okay, Sussex County. Uh, how many of you live in Sussex County? We all live in Sussex County. And so Sussex County. Uh, and then you got Samaria. Samaria is Kent County. And then you got Galilee. Where's Galilee? Newcastle County. So when you think about the geography of the Bible, you got Judea, which is Sussex County, Samaria is Kent County, and Galilee is Newcastle County. So that helps you understand that a little bit. So, so Samaria is controversial. Samaria is very, very controversial. Now, when it says that Philip went to Samaria, we say, okay, Philip went to Samaria. What's well, the big deal? Philip went to Samaria. That doesn't capture the, the, the energy of what really was happening. Because Samaria was highly controversial because it was a racially charged area. Uh, Samaria was this. Samaria was made up of mixed breed of people that the Jewish people hated. They did not like the Samaritans. They hated the Samaritans. In fact, they said the worst thing somebody could call you if you were a Jew was you're a Samaritan. That was a derogatory term. Uh, in, uh, in, I think it's John chapter 8, uh, verse 48, they called Jesus a Samaritan. You're a Samaritan. You're demon-possessed. So Samaritan was a derogatory term. They hated the Samaritans. So when Philip went to, the Samar- went, went to Samaria, it's a big deal. It's controversial. Now, a little tiny bit of history. Maybe you don't like history, but here's a little bit of history. Uh, You've got to understand this in the Bible. 722, um, 722 B.C., the king, Israel is divided into two kingdoms. Just imagine this. Imagine the civil war uh, that we still were two nations. We were the, uh, you know, the Union and the Confederacy. That's what happened in Israel. Uh, there was the uh, southern kingdom. And there was the northern kingdom. And the northern kingdom got captured by the Assyrians in 720 B.C. Big, big date in Bible history. So when the Assyrians conquered the northern kingdom, what did they do? They took all the people, or most of the people, deported them 
to other to around Babylon, uh, around what would be Iraq or Iran now, deported them, and they left a few people there, and then they brought other people they had captured from other parts of other, other parts of the empire and, and settled them in to the northern kingdom. So you got these, you got a few Jews left, and you got these other people that are brought in from uh, other places. And these people worship other gods and they intermarry. So they're a mixed breed of people, and they worship other gods. So the Samaritans had a blend of blood and a blend of faith. So they worship different, different uh, gods. So here's what, a little illustration. Here, here's Samaria, a bottle of water here, pure, you know, this is the northern kingdom, pure beliefs and all that. Now, I'm a I'm a crystal light guy. I, I drink, drink crystal light. How many people drink crystal light? You drink crystal light a lot? How many like crystal light? Anybody here drink crystal light? I hope it doesn't hurt you. If it doesn't, I'm a dead man. I drink this stuff all the time. So this is, this is the pure northern kingdom. And then the, uh, then the Assyrians, they bring in all of these different religions and they bring in this, these different people and the people inter, inter, interbreed and all that. So you've got a mixed you got a mixed deal, so it changes the color, changes the color of the of the community, and so you got you got these uh, you got these Samaritans that are racially different, and the Jews put that map back up here. Oh, you got the map still up here. The the Jews they so much hated the Samaritans, and because they were mixed breed and were and and all of that. That they racially hated them. So when they would go to Galilee, they would travel up and they'd get to Samaria and then they would cross the Jordan River, go into Perea and go around Samaria and then go into Galilee. They would not have anything to do. And that's why it's significant in John chapter 4 where it says Jesus went through Samaria. He went to Samaria. Jesus started, he started the trend of overcoming racism in his day. He went through Samaria. Listen to this. Every time Jesus told a story, he made the Samaritans the hero. There was uh, a man going down from Jericho. He got beat by robbers. And then, a, and then a priest came by and walked by, didn't help the man. Then a Levi came by, didn't help the man. And then a Samaritan came by. And he came over and he rescued the man, poured oil into his wounds, and took care of him. And he made, he made the Samaritan the hero. So Jesus is attacking racism in his day. He's making the Samaritans the hero. He's lifting them up when society has oppressed them. So uh, Jesus told another story. The other story was was that uh, there were ten lepers. And the ten lepers were from afar off and they were saying, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus said, Go show yourself to the priest. And they went. And as they went, they were healed. And one man came back. One man came back to thank Jesus. One out of ten was thankful. There's a good Thanksgiving message right there. One out of ten was thankful, and Jesus said, and he was a Samaritan. So Jesus made the Samaritans the hero of his story, and he's starting, he's putting the seeds of acceptance of the Samaritans in the church, in the mind of the church, because the church is called by God to lead the way in diminishing racism and culture. God loves every race, every tribe, every nation. God loves 
uh, every person of every ethnic background. And Jesus said, go into the world and preach the gospel, preach the gospel to every nation. And the word nation there is every ethnos, every ethnic group. So here's the great theology of the New Testament. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Sing it with me. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. So, that wasn't so great, but we tried. We tried our best. So what do we see when Philip goes to Samaria? Philip goes to a racially charged area and he defies the racism of his day. He defies the racism of his day. So we see in this story, we see that the church's call, the church's original call is to lead the way in reconciliation toward racial injustice of their time. So very important Important story. So what Philip did was incredibly controversial. And here's a little principle. The principle is this. Uh, the principle is, is that great leaders and great people are willing to be controversial. Great people are willing to be controversial. Philip was a great person because he was willing to do what nobody else was willing to do. He was willing to be bold. He was willing to be courageous. He was willing to to rock the boat. And he was willing to challenge the status quo. The status quo often needs to be challenged. You know what John Maxwell says about the status quo? The status quo is Latin for the mess we're in. So sometimes we need to challenge the status quo. And so Philip, he went, he went to Samaria... And it took great courage for him to go to Samaria. He could have gone anywhere. But he chose to go to this racially charged, controversial area to preach the gospel. And he was courageous. January 1st, 1863, the Emancipation of Proclamation was signed by Abraham Lincoln. It took guts to do that. And when he signed the, Decor- or signed the Emancipation of Proclamation, it was on New Year's Day, 1863. He went to his study to sign the Emancipation of Proclamation, and his hand was shaken. And his hand was shaken because he was fatigued, he was tired. Lincoln worked around the clock, and he paused before he signed the Emancipation Proclamation. He paused because he said, I don't want anybody in history to, to think that I hesitated before I signed the Emancipation Proclamation. And he steadied his hand. And he put his hand on that paper. And he signed that document indicating that three or 250 years of U.S. history was wrong, that us enslaving people was absolutely an, uh, was an abomination to God, and he signed that paper, and it took great courage to do that because great people will do controversial things. I love Lincoln. I love his courage. And our country has been riddled 
with racism. And the gospel is the, we see in the church, the first place the church went, the very first place the church went was to a controversial racial area. The church went and leads the way. They didn't go anywhere else except for the most controversial area first because God wants every human being to know, regardless of what their race is, that they are made in the image of God and they're important in the sight of Almighty God. Can you say a big amen? And let me just say this. If you are uncomfortable with other races and they make you nervous, you're going to be a wreck in heaven. Because there is no Hispanic heaven, there is no black heaven, there is no white heaven, there is no Asian heaven, there is no Japanese heaven, there is one heaven. And John said in Revelation chapter 7, I saw a great multitude before me with every tribe, every nation, every tongue. So when you get to heaven, you're going to have Black people next to you, Asian people in front of you, Hispanic people beside you. You're going to be mixed together. And here what we have on the earth is we have this this segregated thing on Sunday where the Hispanics have got their church and the blacks have got their church and the white people have got their church. And the upper class, the Episcopalians and Presbyterians, Lord knows no blue-collar person can go go to that church because it's just for high-collar, white-collar, you know, rich people. There's going to be people in heaven that were welders. There's going to be people in heaven that, were, that are lawyers. There's going to be people, well, maybe some lawyers will make it. I believe there will be. <laughs> you wonder about that at times. Maybe, maybe I overstated that one. But if we're going to be comfortable in heaven, we've got to get comfortable now. And we... Uh, our church is very, very open to all races and um, blacks and Asians and uh, people from Hispanic backgrounds. And we want to be very, very open. And we want to go to those churches and visit those churches and be a part of that because we need a little practice to get to heaven. Because we get to heaven, it's going to be a racially mixed bag. I'm telling you, it's going to be so cool. And there's going to be good clapping in heaven because there's going to be African-Americans there. There's going to be, you know, people with energy singing because there's going to be Hispanics there. We're going to have a mixed uh, experience because God is a God of all nations and all people, and God loves every nation, every tribe, every tongue, and so we need to practice now. Can you say a big amen? amen. So Abraham Lincoln, he signed, steadied his hand, and he signed that because he was willing to be controversial. Sadly, it did not end The racism in our country did not end that. I've been watching uh, Ken Burns' film, uh, his his documentary on the Vietnam War. I graduated from high school in 1976, so the Vietnam War was winding down. Many of you were a part of the Vietnam War. And uh, so I've been fascinated my whole life with the Vietnam War, and I studied it. And I've been watching 
uh, Ken Burns' uh, series, I watched it several times on the Vietnam War, and there's one man in the, in the story that I've been fascinated with, a guy named Roger Harris. Roger Harris was an African-American uh, black man that went to fight in, in Vietnam uh, in the mid-60s, and I think he got out in 1968, and he went there to fight, and uh, here's a picture of him as a soldier, uh, Roger Harris, and I believe we have another picture of him as well. And he was from Roxbury, uh, Boston area, Massachusetts. And he used to call his mom. And his mom would say, I'm praying for you. You're going to come home. You're very special. And he said, Mom, everybody, every mother thinks their son's special. He said, I'm not coming home. He said, I'm in a high combat zone. All my friends are getting killed. I'm going to get killed. And Roger Harris, you know... uh, he got through the war. He flies from Vietnam from, uh, and he gets to California. And from California, he flies to Logan Airport in Boston. And he said, I'm walking through the airport and I'm feeling good. I got through the war. And he said, I go out on the curb to catch a cab. He said, cab after cab after cab went by me and nobody would pick me up. He said, I realized I wasn't a soldier in their eyes. I was still a black man. And finally, a state trooper had to stop a cab for Roger Harris and said, you got to take this man. He said, I don't want to go to Roxbury. I don't want to go to Roxbury. And they, the, the policeman made them take Roger Harris to Roxbury, and he went there to Roxbury, and he got an education. He played football for Boston College. He got a master's degree. He got a Ph.D. degree. He became a principal. He's highly respected in Boston. Here's a picture of him later on in his career, and uh, he just had incredible success, and he goes around the country speaking. And here's my favorite picture, the Roger Harris story, a picture of him when one of his fellow fellow veterans uh, holding uh, together a white man and a black man. And God has designed that we would not be separate, but we would be unified. Can you say big amen? So when it says Philip went to Samaria, we don't really get the import of that. He was a white man walking into a black neighborhood. He was courageous and he was bold and he was willing to take the cues from Jesus. And the cues from Jesus was, Jesus said in the, in the commissioning of the, of the apostles, he said, preach the word in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And Philip went to Samaria because Jesus wanted him to go to Samaria. And Jesus had demonstrated during his ministry that he was not going to tolerate racism. And so he always made the Samaritans this high-valued people in his time. And so when I read about Philip, Going to Samaria, I want to be a man who loves every race, every tribe, every nation. I remember as a young boy, I'd go to church with my, uh, my buddy and Sammy Fisher in high school. We'd go to Sunday night service, and, and uh, we were so fired up for Jesus. 
we didn't, uh, we know, we, after white church was over with, we didn't know what to do, so we went to the black church. And Sunday night, we would go to uh, Refuge Temple in Seaford. Maybe if you know a little bit about Seaford, there used to be a church called Refuge Temple. It's still there. And in the summertime, they'd set a big tent up on Route 13. And Sammy and I would go. We'd go to that uh, after we got done with our church. You know, we're, you know, we're white people. We get done. We start at 7. We get over at 8 o'clock. You know, we're done, you know. We've done everything we think of, you know. So then Sammy and I, we'd go out there on the highway, and we would worship with those African-Americans, those black people. And you know what? The next day, our hands were so sore. Our hands were so sore from clapping. We were clapping so much because those people were so in love with Jesus. How many know that whites and blacks and Asians and Hispanic people need to learn to worship together? Can you say big amen? So he was willing to go to Samaria. I was listening to Tony Evans last night. Tony Evans is a very incredible African-American preacher in uh, Dallas, Texas, has a, Dallas, Texas, has a program called the Urban Alternative. Probably, you know, he's one of the best preachers in America by far. And when I listen to him preach, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I, I wish I could do that. He's such a good preacher. He's talking about racism. He said, my favorite line in his sermon was, He said, talking about Americans, he said, we all came over here in different boats, but we're in the same boat now. Say it with me. We came over in different boats, but we're all in the same boat now. So I love the courage of Philip, willing to be controversial, willing to to do what nobody else is willing to do. I remember when I, uh, my first controversial decision here at Bayshore, when I was a young 24-year-old pastor, my first controversial decision I made, and I was trying to, trying to embrace being courageous, trying to embrace, you know, doing the right thing and, and, and not simply listening to people, but listening to the Lord. Of course, you've got to listen to people. You learn a lot and, and you want to be sensitive to the people you're leading, but you also got to, you got to lead. And sometimes leading is, is doing what nobody else thinks you ought to do. And I remember my first controversial decision, uh, maybe, you, you know, maybe you've heard this, my very first controversial decision was I decided that our church was not going to have chicken dinners anymore to make money. We used to have, uh, when I came here uh, 37 years ago, uh, the church, they would, they would rent the fire hall, they would have chicken dinners, they would sell chicken dinners, and in order to, they would sell the chicken dinners in order to raise money so they'd have enough money to pay the bills. And I, my first meeting with, uh, with a church congregation and sitting there going through the Robert's Rules of Order and all that, and I remember going through all that, and I, my first controversial decision was... We're not going to have any more chicken dinners. I know that that's the gospel bird here in Sussex County, but we're not having any more chicken dinners. Because I knew the reason they were having chicken dinners is because they weren't tithing and they weren't supporting the church. And I said, we're not going to have any more chicken dinners. We're going to support the church by the church tithing and people giving and being sacrificial. Because I don't believe that we need to go to the community to get the community to help us. I think we need to go to the community and help the community. 
Oh my gosh, I'm telling you. Talk about chicken dinner issue. It was a big issue here at our church and I almost didn't survive the chicken dinner, for dinner controversy of 1982. <laughs> but when Abraham Lincoln, it's a little, little bit of a stretch to compare my chicken dinner controversy with the Emancipation Proclamation, but that's, that's the connection here. When he signed that paper, it took courage to do something controversial. And my little chicken dinner thing, boy, I had to muster up some courage for that. And we taught people how to tithe. And by the way, we don't have chicken dinners at this church to raise money. We don't go to the community to raise money. Uh, you guys are the people that give uh, sacrificially every week, so we, can't, we don't go to the community to ask the community to help us. We go to the community to help the community. Can you say big amen? And when Philip walked in to Samaria to preach the gospel, he was willing to embrace controversy, and here's the ending. Here's what I want to get out of the story. He was, he was preaching in Samaritan, Samaria, one of the key cities in Samaria. We don't know exactly what city it was. People were coming to Jesus. People were being delivered. They were being helped, and it was so impactful what happened. When he, as a Jew, went into Samaria to preach the gospel, that the bigwigs in Jerusalem, John... And Peter, these are the two big wigs of the church, they leave Jerusalem, the comfort of Jerusalem, and they come to Samaria. And they pray for the people of Samaria that have received the Lord and ask for them to receive the Holy Spirit, and they receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's an interesting theological conversation right there. They receive the Holy Spirit. They receive the power of Jesus. And then listen to this. It says that when John and Peter left that meeting that they preached the gospel in all the towns of Samaria. Philip's attitude, Philip's attitude of facing racism and loving the Samaritans impacted the attitude of John and Peter. Racism is generational. Generation, you learn racism from your dad, from your grandfather, from your great-grandfather. It goes back generations. And it just passed on, passed on. The reverse of racism is when somebody changes their heart and their attitude toward a different race. And their change of heart changes and affects somebody else's heart. So you got Philip embracing the Samaritans. Then you have John and Peter coming. And Philip's attitude change affected John and Peter so that John and Peter left and they preached to the Samaritans as well. Say this with me. Racism is contagious. Anti-racism is even more contagious. Say this with me. I love every race, every national ethnicity that God has created.
And I'm looking forward, as you are, to one day being in heaven, being in the presence of God, worshiping Jesus, seeing his glory, and beside me hearing the wonderful worship of Jesus in Spanish, and to each side of me hearing different languages as a cacophony of voices in different languages go up to the throne of God. And now is the time to practice for heaven. The little poem, Oh, to live above with the saints, I, oh, to live above with the saints above, that will be glory. But to live below with the saints I know, that's a different story. So we want to practice now to honor the Lord. Would you lift your hands to the Lord? Just lift your hands to the Lord and thank Him that He loves you. If you're white, He loves white people. If you're black, He loves black people. If you're Asian, He loves Asian people. If you're rich, He loves rich people. If you're poor, He loves poor people. God, forgive us for just hanging out with our kind of people. Help us, Lord, to embrace the diversity of this world we live in. And we thank you for the wonderful story and the courage of Philip because he was courageous. We too can be courageous to make a difference in the world we live in. We thank you for your love and your mercy. Thank you for our community, the diversity of our community. We thank you for this community, the Eastern Shore, and how diverse it is. Lord, let us not be threatened by it. Let us embrace the people of different backgrounds that are in our community. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. If you love Jesus, say a big Amen.